Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. You're joining us live from Content London 2019 on day one of the International Drama Summit. Over 2,500 delegates and speakers from all corners of the globe have descended on the King's Place Conference Centre and St Pancras Renaissance Hotel, where speakers over the course of this week include HBO Max Chief Content Officer Kevin Riley, Netflix Director of Originals Alex Sapo, Amazon Director of European Originals Georgia Brown, actors Kate Blanchett, Simon Pegg, writers Sally Wainwright, Julian Fellows, and many more. I'm joined now by three of these, Claire Mundell, Managing Director, and Creative Director of UK-based Synchronicity Films. Hi, hi, good to be here, yes, welcome. Marianne Furfold-Boland. Hi, thank you for inviting me. Executive Producer at Norway's NRK Drama, and Atar Dekel, Vice President of Global Drama at Kesha International. Hello, hello, happy to be here. There's a bit of noise around us, as you can probably hear, we're uh, deep within the King's Conference Centre in the music foyer. And um, Claire, it's, it's more than a year since the debut of your four-part mini-series for the BBC, The Cry. You seem to have been on the awards circuit ever since. Congratulations on that. What's your focus at the International Drama Summit this week? Thank you. Yeah, The Cry has been uh, brilliant for us. I, uh, I seem to be on a kind of treadmill of award ceremonies between the UK and uh, the US. We're just back from the International Emmys where Jenna was nominated for Best Performance. And uh, being a co-production, of course, there's various different things happening in Australia. The actors are this week, which we are up for several nominations there. The Cry has been a great calling card for us, and really our focus is the second album syndrome to get to the get the next one over the line. Which our front runner at the moment is the Tattooist of Auschwitz, which is an adaptation of um, Heather Morris's best-selling novel, uh, recounting the recollections of uh, Holocaust survivor Lali Sokolov. The book is a phenomenon. It has sold over four million copies worldwide. Um, it's been in the Sunday, Sunday Times bestseller list uh, for over a year and the New York Times top 10 for 73 weeks. It's number one in the paperback charts this week. So it is a massive, massive story and we're honoured and thrilled to be adapting it for the screen. What, what stage are things at right now? We have been developing it, um, we chose to develop it ourselves internally with the backing of our distributors um, initially because we have a very clear vision of how we want to tell the story. So we, we're at um, first episode, script stage, series outline, I'm very close with uh, some key conversations in the UK and some very significant conversations on uh, European pre-sale territories. Um, and it's, uh, for me it's an example I suppose of um, what in the last session was described as super premium content in the sense that it's a story that, um, that I think a few years ago would have been seized on for a movie and in fact one of the reasons that we were able to acquire the rights to the project was we were the only company who came forward with a television proposal, a high-end multi-part television proposal and, and I think for the rights holders um, that was really attractive and, and also appropriate to tell a story of the scale of, of that story. So it's, um, it's also very important to us as a regionally based com company because it, it demonstrates that um, you know, it doesn't matter where we are based or what accent we speak with, our taste is international and global. And, uh, and so it's very much, it's, it's a 
the cornerstone of our slate this year, although we have lots of other things in development, other projects which are in a similar vein to The Cry, which is a, a genre that we love, thrillers with some real um, heavy heft behind them and have things to say. So yeah, here to hustle and do business and get things made, <laughs> like everyone else. We conducted a survey of delegates uh, ahead of this event um, and one of the interesting findings that came back or one of the questions that we asked was what are people using as the sources of the dramas that they're developing. Novels came quite far back in second place from original ideas. Um, what does that tell us? Is, is it just the, the, the difficulty of securing rights? Yeah, I think it tells us that it's an expensive business finding because if you're going to go after IP, you need to go after top level IP. And if you're going to go after that level of IP, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to be competitive. Um, and, and, but, you know, that's the reason to do it, is if, you're, if you've got a piece of IP that has broken through and has commanded a significant audience such as the tattooist, then, then you know, you're buying some degree of risk mitigation in the eyes of funders and broadcasters. I think... Um, you know, we, we have a lot of projects on our slate that are based on IP. We have Helen Fitzgerald's next novel, The Author of the Cry, um, which we actually optioned before she'd even written it because we didn't want to run the risk of not getting it. Um, but, you know, I think original content is always going to have its place. And, and as the battle for content gets more and more intense, you know, the, the price of novels will go up. Um, we're also optioning now from uh, podcasts and from, um, you know, articles. I, I, I just, I think there's no rules. It's, it's all about the story and do you feel in your gut that there's a story there that can be told on screen in a compelling way that international audiences will want to watch, really? So, yeah, I think, I think for me it's because just books are going to become more and more premium cost, really. The Cry is distributed by DRG, which is part of Nordic Entertainment Group. Um, NRK Drama is also working with the company on your upcoming Norwegian terror attack drama, 22nd of July. Uh, tell us about that, Marianne, and also what else is on your slate right now? Well, I wish that was just a book, you know. Uh, and uh, it's we are quite... Uh, sensitive and excited about you know how the 22nd of July will be embraced in Norway and in the world uh, but uh, I think it's important we think it's important to also portray such an important part of our history just remind us what the event is that it well was based on. Uh, there was a terrorist attack uh, on the, the both the governmental uh, district in Oslo but also uh, over 60 young people were killed, massacred uh, at Utøya by one single uh, terrorist. So it's one of the worst uh, uh, traumas in the Norwegian uh, history. And relatively recent history as well. The, the, the story doesn't so much focus on the perpetrator, uh, Anders Brevnik, but m more on the, the ripple effect that yes. it had. Yes, uh, uh, which is different from the other uh, films and series that we have seen on the subject. Uh, and where we, it's uh, from what I've seen, and it's, it's been hard watching it, the episode, I must admit, not only from a, a historical point of view, but as from a human point of view. Uh, but uh, uh, still, we have to tell these kind of stories uh, because 
I think it's our, this is the reason why we get up in the morning, isn't it? To create stories that will open up hearts and minds and, uh, and, and, and teach us something about the world and being a human being. So it's, it's going to be a premiere at, uh, in January. Uh, and uh, hopefully it will be uh, embraced as an important uh, piece of work. NRK was here last year um, giving us a taste of a Second World War drama that you've got coming up called Atlantic Crossing, starring Sophia Helen and, and Carl McLaughlin. Um, what stage is that one at? Well, it's in the post-production. Uh, it's going to premiere in 2021. Uh, and you might say, why do another Second World War story? But there's so many good stories uh, coming from that area. And uh, also it says something about our monarchy and, and how we became a nation, you know, uh, just uh, not only from a traditional point of view, but someone who was a force. Uh, and it's attacking also from a, a female point of view. So, uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of diverse things at NIK at the moment, and that's really exciting. Big scale dramas, um, you're doing a lot of very varied dramas in terms of length of form as well to appeal to younger audiences which perhaps straying away from the, the, the linear broadcast viewing. Scam was one of your most successful ones today and been adapted uh, in the US by Facebook and, and elsewhere as well. Um, what are you doing in that space and, and you're here to, to talk about short form as well let's talk about short forms uh, and uh, it's been amazing uh, you know how scum has you know it's been remade now in eight different countries but short forms is something that we have done in NRK for many years it's not an accidental success there have been so many uh, people who have been innovative, experimental and, and trying to create uh, content in a digital world uh, for uh, a young audience but also for all kinds of audience. So uh, it's, uh, I think it, uh, we are lucky to be able to work in a public broadcaster that gives talent uh, time to explore. And that's uh, why we can say we have all these uh, different short forms and, and, uh, to show off today. Uh, Atar, you, you've got a premiere coming yes. up tomorrow night yes. for, the, for the trial of Christine Keeler. That's a very exciting show coming up on BBC sometime later this year. Um, tell us about that. First of all, we're very, very excited about the opportunity to utilize this uh, 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 great, great uh, premise to premiere this. Really, I would say the, the BBC's crown jewel for Christmas uh, this year, the trial of Christine Keeler. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing uh, uh, piece of storytelling and I think for us it really, you know, uh, being an Israeli company and supporting a project that is really based on the UK's history, I think that, I think that says a lot about where we are uh, in terms of the marketplace and, you know, it's, it's, the trial of Christine Killer is such an important, timely story. Uh, you know, it was one of the most scandalous stories in the political history in the UK. And I think it really has the potential to attract also younger audience, which is something that we as a company always strive to do, although it's something that happened in the 60s. I look at the younger generation and I really see fear in their eyes in terms of this 
you know, chaos that we are witnessing. And I think for them, the only way to kind of cope with the present is by learning what happened in the past. And, 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 and you know, the, the marginalization of women is something that we're still seeing on any arena, on, on every arena, whether it's the political arena, whether it's within our own industry. So I think telling that story of this young woman who, who came to London, uh, wanted to fulfill herself as a, as a model, as an actress, and, and ultimately brought down the conservative government, is just a story that has so much importance uh, to be told also today in, in, in the world and, and, and you know, across all viewers in a way. So we're really, really excited and, you know, the, the, the cast is amazing. It's also, you know, there's a common thread uh, within the shows that we're supporting. And I think one of them is that we're really, really trying to put female voices um, in, the, in the front. So you look at Christine Keeler, it was, you know, uh, the, the writer is a female, the director, uh, the, the, the production company is, is, head by, is headed by females, the, all of the head departments are female. When you look at our Australian drama, Total Control, that, you know, we are also looking for the Acta Tomorrow, uh, good luck to you and good luck to us as well. Um, it's also very, very female-led, uh, both in terms of themes and in terms of the crew, the writers, um, the director. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're really, really excited of all of our shows. Uh, another Australian series that we're here to promote is uh, uh, Secrets Bridesmaids Business, which is a more you know, a light female-driven uh, psychological thriller, crime thriller. Um, you know, again, very, very, very compelling with a great, great ensemble of, uh, of female actresses. Um, and at the same time, we're also, you know, there's another, I think, another common thread uh, when you look at the themes that we as a company are exploring is is our um, um, we really want to be able to explore true stories, but within a contemporary uh, with, in a contemporary lens. You know, when you look at our boys, um, uh, that was uh, uh, just finished his run on HBO. Um, uh, when you look at another thing that we're now trying to set up about the Munich uh, Olympics that happened in Germany in 1972 and essentially uh, started the, the, the Third World War, the World of, the War on Terror. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think and you, you asked about, about um, um, you know, kind of like uh, themes or, or what are the, the trends now. And, and, and I think what we see in parallel to the surge of very high-scale um, dramas, we're also seeing a surge in, in true stories coming to life. Yeah. Um, and I think for us, coming from a region like the Middle East, it's, you know, it's, there are so many unbelievable stories that are still happening today um, that allows us to, you know, really be at the heart of that trend in a way. One of the other big topics that obviously came up in, in, in the survey that we conducted 
biggest stories, I guess, biggest issues of 2019 was the arrival of this new breed of, of uh, US streamers, essentially. Um, have you sort of seen the impacts of that yet? And do you think it's a positive for the industry? How do you think it's going to play out over 2020? I mean, I, as a producer, I think I think the arrival of any anyone who is up for funding your content and, and, and can distribute in a global fashion is, is good news. Um, I think that obviously, you know, we're seeing consolidation. We're going to see much more of that. I think, you know, we'll probably have several super, super SVOD players eventually. Um, it's a challenge, of course, for traditional distributors. How do they survive in that environment? That's why many of them, I think, are moving into content creation themselves. Um, but, you know, as a content creator, as a producer, and, you know, as, as uh, creatives in general, it's, it, is, it is only a good opportunity, I think, to, to be able to reach as big an audience as possible. I think also, just to pick up on what you're saying about true stories, I mean, we're all united here at this table by being driven by very big, chunky, quite weighty subject matters. And I think that's also a reflection on how television drama has kind of grown up, you know? Um, the challenge is still to make uh, content that is, you know, a range of content that can also deliver entertainment and can, you know, can enable the audience to take some respite from what's going on in the world. But for sure, we're all influenced at the moment by telling important stories that matter and, and using television as a global platform, hopefully to be able to, you know, make some difference. You know, if, if you're going to spend three years of your life or whatever length of time it takes, you might as well do something, put something out into the world that has got an impact to have on and to move people, really. And yet the majority of respondents to our survey suggested that the biggest genre of growth next year will be comedy drama. I think that's not surprising at all because in times of darkness, what do you do? I mean, gallows humour—that's where it comes from, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, and I think I think um, you know, there's also a really interesting development, isn't there, in comedic drama, or dramedy, you know, black comedy drama, you know, where we are, you know, we're still telling dramatic stories, but we're finding the edges of black comedy in there because life is too bizarre at the moment. I mean, you couldn't make it up. Therefore, I think the audience is looking for, you know, they're looking for something that can reflect their world. I mean, look at the wonderful um, Brexit, an uncivil story, you know, which was just a wonderful example in my book of, of something that was incredibly important and relevant and told us all, reflected all to us the madness of what's happening with Brexit. And yet it was, it was funny. It managed to be amusing and important at the same time. Um, so, yeah, I think... It's really interesting times, you know. And but having said that, you know, massive challenges ahead. Um, so many production companies, so much opportunity. You know, companies like Sony, Netflix, Amazon, who have the ability to buy up talent at source for ten years. You know, massive sums of money. How do production companies navigate that? You know, and again, it's it can only come down to the I think the strength of your relationship and your ability to work with writers and convince them that you can get their, their IP made. Marianne, give us the uh, the public broadcaster's yeah. perspective. Well, um, in one way you can say that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's sad with the competition. But I agree with you, it's good for us that the talent are getting work done. Because then they can do good work for us, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happily embracing that 
competition, you would say, if that also could create good content from our perspective as well. I, th I think in the UK, another big challenge is that are the terms of trade. I mean, the terms of trade have seen, you know, the growth of a super industry, you know, over the last, um, over the last period of time. And, and, you know, the demand for talent, the demand for content, the, you know, all of those challenges are, are pushing broadcasters to push UK producers in different directions on terms of trade, which we have to protect because without that, you know, we we lose the massive sustainability that we have in the British television industry. So that that's a key concern of mine in the future. Atar, what's your big prediction for 2020? What what are going to be the big stories for the business? I, listen, I I just want to say uh, first, I totally agree that there's a lot of opportunity um, that this uh, that this new climate is providing. At the same time, and you know, us as a company, we have something around five projects that we're in the midst of setting up with, you know, uh, the big streamers uh, in different, uh, in various stages. At the same time, I have to say I'm a bit scared as well. Uh, I don't want to see the television in industry uh, going through the same route as, 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 the, as, as the film industry in the sense that, you know, we will with all those big, big streamers and all those big players coming into the market, we will see a scale back in 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 in, in you know in in, in in cable in in cable channels, more niche cable channels that are not owned by the big conglomerates that will that eventually are the ones who contributed to the to the golden era of, of, of drama. Uh, we will see um, less diversity, less uh, you know, less uh, niche dramas. We will see much more you know franchise, uh, big scale productions. So I'm I'm a bit concerned um, in that sense. Um, I must say, uh, and and I think it's up it's up for us, uh, for uh, pr producers, for writers. For consumers uh, to to make sure that you know we're keeping uh, we're keeping this form of art as as diverse as possible. It's a bit uh, ironic, isn't it? Actually, that at a time when the whole television world is is homogenizing and becoming massive and global politically across the world, we're all you know putting up walls. You know, we're becoming independent here, there, and everywhere. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, so I. I I think there is a bit of a disconnect there between audiences in their own countries, in their own territories, looking for specific cultural representation, something that reflects them. But, but obviously we can't finance that, so we have to find those stories which are, I think, which are super local and specific, have a sense of place and identity about them but which deal with human themes and human, you know, human concerns, because that's the only way that we can manage to square those two, those two circles. Okay, well, thank you very much, all of you, for your, for your thoughts. That's all we have time for in this episode. Thanks to my guests, Claire, Marion, and uh, Atar. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you. There'll be more from the C21 podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest news coming out of the International Drama Summit here at Content London and the global TV business by following C21 online, on social media and mobile. Thanks for listening.